we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Future of Health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Brett Barrow, founder and CEO of HerFeed. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. If you have any questions around the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit our website at providence.org or visit cdc.org for their official medical updates. This event does not create a doctor-patient relationship and any questions or medical advice discussed is not considered guidance on what you should do. For any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. Joining me today is Dr. James Beckerman, who is a cardiologist and serves as medical director for clinical programs and strategy, prevention and wellness at Providence Health Institute. Hi, Dr. Beckerman. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we, uh, thanks so much for having me. Before we really delve into everything that we're going to discuss, can you tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is at Providence? Sure. I've been a cardiologist here for about 14 years, and uh, I see patients every day, uh, people with all types of uh, cardiovascular illness um, and folks who want to prevent it. So uh, very interested in prevention and get to see people at all stages of uh their heart disease journey. That sounds like you've got a lot on your hands. Um, and I'm thinking that the past few months have probably been a bit more challenging. Uh, before we really talk about health or heart-related illnesses and COVID-19 directly, what are the actual effects of long-term stress on a person's heart? There's a lot. Um, and I think that people are experiencing a lot of stress right now. Um, as you know, stress impacts uh, the types of behaviors that we do every day. Uh, there are some people that can thrive on it, but a lot of us don't. Um, you know, when a person's under more stressful uh, uh, circumstances, they're a little bit less likely to enjoy a delicious salad for lunch and may instead go for snacks or or treats uh, to try to make themselves feel better about things. So so food often becomes an issue uh, for folks who are experiencing stress. Also, uh, people tend to consume more alcohol, uh, find it more challenging to quit smoking, maybe find it uh, more difficult to carve time to exercise. So a lot of these heart healthy behaviors that we try to get our uh, community to embrace in times of stress, it can be a lot more challenging to do so. And in addition to the conscious behaviors that we do or don't do in response to stress, there's also issues around how your body actually responds to stress. You know, when doctors think about stress, we think about adrenaline, which is one of the uh, hormones that our body creates and regulates in order to allow us to respond to stressful situations. But it turns out that too much adrenaline for too long actually isn't great for our bodies, particularly our hearts. 
And so that's why there's some data to suggest that people who are experiencing more stress, and I mean that, that both chronically and in more acute sudden situations can sometimes experience some cardiac uh, manifestations of that, some, some heart issues related to that stress. Interesting. Uh, sort of, I guess, going from there, uh, does that mean that you've seen since COVID, the beginning of COVID a lot more heart issues among patients or has it been pretty, has there been an increase, a decrease, or has it maintained pretty uh, normal. You know, it, it's hard to say because uh, the situation with coronavirus obviously is uh, so incredibly complex. And one of the complexities is that for a period of time, um, healthcare uh, practices, hospitals uh, were doing fewer uh, tests, fewer procedures than they were previously, fewer surgeries. And also, uh, a lot of our uh, patients uh, might have been feeling uh, less comfortable with the idea of entering a healthcare facility. So those two situations sort of artificially reduce the number of uh, cardiac patients in our hospitals. Um, so I, I think it's hard to know actually right now what the real uh, cardiac effects of coronavirus might be. I do think that there will be fascinating research studies that will compare, uh, say, the second quarter of 2020 with the second quarter of 2019 in terms of you know various types of diagnoses, um, death rates, things like that. And so, at some point, I think that we'll get some insight as to what some of the cardiovascular cardiac effects of coronavirus uh, might be from this experience. I think that that it will impact it, but it's just hard to know how much at this time. Uh, are people that have prior or um, uh, have current, I guess, health, uh, health issues or heart issues, are they more at risk for getting COVID-19 or are they just, you know, on par with everybody else? So, so I guess there's a distinction to be made between actually getting the virus and right. then what happens once you get the virus. And so people with a history of heart disease are at a similar risk to other people in the community for contracting the coronavirus, which is why it's so important to maintain physical distancing, uh, wear masks, mm -hmm. um, avoid unnecessary contacts, gatherings, et cetera. Um, but then it's a question of what happens once a person does contract this virus. And there's certainly data to suggest that people who have cardiovascular disease are at increased risks of complications. And the way that I sort of think about it is if you imagine yourself walking on a balance beam, if the wind blows, you're more likely to fall off. And if your balance beam is wider, there's less of a risk of falling off. If it's narrower, there's more of a risk of falling off. So for folks who have heart disease or other types of medical problems, it's as if they're walking on a more narrow beam. And so then if something happens like coronavirus that threatens to, to, to push them, to destabilize them, they can be more likely to get into trouble. So I think that uh, while our uh, heart disease community 
is not necessarily at an increased risk for catching the virus, they are at an increased risk for complications. And so while uh, we hope that everybody is taking universal precautions to reduce their risk of getting it, um, mm -hmm. I would wanna emphasize that point even more to that community. I was just going to ask, is there anything that you would say to that community in terms of- Well, I, I think that the types of recommendations you're hearing from, from healthcare providers like me, they really are universal. Um, the physical distancing, wearing of masks, avoiding uh, significant gatherings, uh, avoiding contacts with people that you don't need to have. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, people, even despite the fact that it is, it's tiring and it's hard and people are understandably uh, having challenges with those types of recommendations, they're absolutely worth it. And it's important to know also for people who are, are watching or listening that it's not just about protecting yourself, it's about protecting other people. And so even if you don't identify yourself as being at significant risk, for, perhaps, um, you probably know someone or care for somebody who is. And so think of yourself as being generous towards them. Definitely. And I think I'm just, I was just thinking while you were saying this, the balance beam um, analogy is a really good one because I do think it in general, it's, you know, it really affects or really applies to all of us just in terms of doing the things that we can do to maintain, you know, our own health, but then also protect others. Um, what is there a particular group that um, is or is there any particular population that has like a higher risk factor of, you know, heart disease or are we pretty much all equal here? Well, um there, there are risk factors. Um, some of the risk factors are genetic. We don't have much control over them. And uh, a lot of them, however, are lifestyle related. Um, we sort of uh, think of this as what we call the 80% opportunity because uh, there's this um, idea that about 80% of heart disease could be prevented by changes in how we move, how we eat, how we live. Uh, by eating more healthfully, exercising, stopping smoking. Uh, those are the big ones. And when people do recognize risk factors like high blood pressure or diabetes or abnormal cholesterol, being aggressive about those and working with your healthcare provider to reduce your risk through lifestyle changes and sometimes with medication when it's appropriate. How long, if someone were in that high risk um, category, how long would it be for them, how long would it take for you to, it, it, on average, get sort of into a, a healthier place where you're not at as at risk by making these changes? Is it like a year, two years, six sure. months? Yeah, um, you know, it, if you uh, imagine yourself driving on the freeway and you decide that you want to change lanes, you recognize that making just a small adjustment will have a significant effect. And that bears out that if you make that little change and then you were to follow you know, your trajectory after 10 minutes, uh, if you were on a super uh, wide highway, you'd move pretty far. And right. so even though uh, small changes uh, are easier for us to, to think about, 
it turns out that they actually have some of the greatest impact. If, if you decide to increase your exercise by 20 minutes a day, it doesn't feel like such a big deal on that day, but mm -hmm. over years and decades, it will have a huge impact ultimately. One of the areas that we see a significant uh, improvement in heart disease risk is with stopping smoking. Um, you know, we know that stopping smoking is incredibly hard. We know that so many people want to. Um, one of the things that's so great about stopping is that after about a year or so after you've quit smoking, your heart disease risk really starts to approach that of somebody who's never been a smoker. And so I know that one of the reasons why some people are a little hesitant to make some lifestyle changes is it feels like, oh, what's the point? You know, I've, I've been doing this for so long. What's it going to do for me to start this new habit or stop smoking or eat a little bit better? And the reality, it, it makes a difference. It really, really does. Um, what is like, what is, so I guess kind of on, on that note, um, a lot of that also probably deals with stress. So what, how does stress management actually help you to lower hypertension and other health-related issues, or heart-related issues, sorry? Yeah, um, you know, I, I spoke before about how stress impacts us from a cardiovascular standpoint in kind of two big ways. There's the lifestyle choices that we make when we're under stress, and then there's that sort of longer-term effect that stress seems to have on our bodies, on our chemistry and how we work. And so I think that when we think about stress management, it really has an impact, especially in the shorter term, on the choices that you make. When you're feeling better about things, it creates a halo in your life where you just find it easier or more natural to make healthier choices. And it's very interesting. There's data that shows that uh, meditation and yoga uh, not only help people to make better choices in the other areas of their lives, but also tends to improve blood pressure a little bit. Uh, people who have atrial fibrillation, which is an abnormal, irregular heart rhythm, uh, experience uh, a reduction in those symptoms and the prevalence of that abnormal rhythm. So it's pretty striking uh, what stress management in, in a really you know concerted way will do for a person in the short and also the longer term. We've actually heard that you have an interesting hobby to deal with stress. Is that correct? <laughs> that's funny that you ask. You know, one thing I'll say that's sort of funny is that whenever a doctor has a hobby, people assume that it's to deal with stress, which I always find kind of funny. I'm a pretty low stress guy. And so uh, the things I do are because uh, they, I don't know, they just bring me joy like any normal person. But my hobby is that I am a chainsaw carver. And so, um, and I guess it reduces my stress uh, or that I can, uh, you know, use my stress on a block of wood uh, with a chainsaw. And so I, I carve animals and, and, uh, and people's pets and, and stuff like that. So a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, well, if someone's life was going, uh, so like sometimes in life we're going full speed ahead. Obviously the last few months we've had to all take a bit of a step back. Um, and a lot of times we're not even aware 
during, when, back in the day when it was the normal way of living, um, that, we're, that we were experiencing stress. And I think now a lot of us, even though we felt the stress, I, to your point earlier about all the ways subliminally that we're also or subconsciously we're dealing with stress. What, how do people, what would be your advice in terms of helping people recognize when they're really stressed? It's a great question. Um, I guess one of the things that this uh, this pandemic um, has allowed a lot of people to do is um, to pause a little bit. Um, life is in some ways simpler uh, than it was before, in, in the sense that uh, there are fewer places that we're going. There are fewer people that we're spending time with. Um, there's fewer things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And when you strip away a lot of that, uh, it's interesting to see how people are spending their time. Um, is, it, is it spent uh, you know, scrolling on Facebook or, or Instagram? Is it spent um, choosing to exercise? I, and thinking about, you know, this time is a time, you know, if, if I was ever going to learn saxophone, this is the time that I'm going to learn saxophone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have been catching up with old friends through uh, platforms like this, uh, at Zoom, et cetera. So uh, I guess uh, to answer your question, when you strip away a lot of the things that make our lives more complicated, it allows you to have a better sense of what's left and how does that feel? And um, are you enjoying the time that you have with the people that you have it with? And uh, for some people that answer is not gonna be yes. And I think that there's something pretty brave in, in recognizing you know, when things aren't exactly the way that you'd like them to be. Um, and hopefully this, uh, this pause that people are taking maybe motivates them to do some things that maybe they would like to do or like to change. And so I think that, you know, a big message that I have for people in general when it comes to heart health or uh, anything else is that you, you get to make a lot of choices in life, thank goodness, and you get to decide how you want to approach things in a lot of cases, not every case, but in a lot of cases. And maybe this is a time to really think about that. But I feel like that's great advice. And I think a lot of us can appreciate hearing that. So thank you. We actually have a question in from social uh, from one of our viewers. And they have asked, how do I know if I need to go see a doctor for my stress? And if so, is it do I need to go to a heart doctor? If not, what type of doctor would you suggest going to? Sure. Um, I think it's a great question about when to seek medical attention in general. Because, mm -hmm. you know, if a person is not uh, trained uh, as a doctor or healthcare provider, how would you know if the symptom that you're having is kind of worthy of uh, seeking medical attention? Um, I think the first answer is that there really is never uh, a bad question. And so if you have um, an established um, relationship with a healthcare provider, we want you to contact us. That's, that's 
that's the reason why we have relationships with healthcare providers. And these days, the fact that we can do that through, uh, you know, video chats and also through um, uh, the electronic health records, stuff like that, I think is fantastic. And so if you're having an experience or a symptom that just doesn't feel right to you, um, you know, some people call it the smell test. It just doesn't seem right. And it feels just different from what you're accustomed to then reach out. Um, I think reaching out to your primary care provider always makes a lot of sense. They're going to be the person who generally knows your big health picture the best. Reach out and let, let them know that you're, you're questioning something and they can give you a better sense of whether, um, you know, some reassurance is all that's needed, which sometimes is a great thing to get or whether further investigation is warranted or maybe even have it to talk to a, a specialist like me. Are there physical signs that we feel uh, when we're under stress or signs that our heart maybe isn't functioning as great as it should be? You know, I, I guess I'd make a distinction between uh, those two questions. So physical signs related to stress, for sure. Um, you know, right before we uh, went live with this, I was a little nervous and probably my heart rate was up a little bit or, um, you know, I felt kind of fidgety and just kind of in my head a little bit. I think anybody who does any kind of public speaking or has some kind of appointment uh, experiences. So you're only human and a lot of people uh, can experience some physical manifestation of that stress. Um, I think that for some people, it's motivating in a strange way, you know, for professional athletes who, who feel that, uh, you know, sense of something huge is going to happen. I think that that's uh, what they have been able to, you know, mobilize and help them to perform even better. But for some of us, it actually can be crippling and it can be uh, difficult. And so I think that it's possible to have stress be a healthy thing for you if you're someone who's able to manage it in a way that feels okay. Um, but uh, some people find that more challenging. As far as how stress in your heart might relate, um, it's it's hard to know. I mean, some of us, you know, experience a sensation of uh, a little bit faster heartbeat in our chest or something like that. But I think that when we're talking about uh, real heart disease, um, it's harder to know if stress is having an impact on you. So like I said before, if you're having symptoms, if something doesn't feel right, uh, definitely reach out. And, and our, you know, our role is to help you understand that a little bit better. Um, what, uh, in terms of, because we, we have heard about people being less, um, more concerned about going to urgent care or the ER, what would be signs of a heart attack or something wrong happening that's wrong with your heart that people should know sure. about? Sure. Um, well, I'll start with a public service announcement, which is that if you're experiencing symptoms that you're concerned about, you should seek medical attention. Um, I'm, you know, happy to say working in a, in, in a hospital setting is that the uh, caregivers here and, and everywhere they are taking all the appropriate precautions and will keep you as safe as humanly possible um, if you need to come see us. And so if you do need to come see us, please do. Um, 
the kind of symptoms that we talk about most when we're talking about a heart attack, uh, a lot of people are familiar with. They uh, tend to include some kind of chest discomfort. Some people call it a pain. Some people experience a tightness or a pressure. And then there's a slew of other symptoms that people can experience from shortness of breath or nausea or back pain or fatigue. Um, you know, not everybody follows sort of the dictionary definition of what we might expect a heart attack to feel like. Um, so I, if you're experiencing symptoms that are concerning to you, even if you're not sure what they might represent, um, if, if they're concerning to you, then they're concerning and you should reach out and, and get checked out. We actually have some viewers right now that are asking us for some resources for living their healthiest life. Do you have anything to suggest? I do. Um, you know, I, I, I'm based uh, here in, in Portland, Oregon, and uh, one of the resources that we share is our uh, prevention and, and wellness programming. And so if people want to check out a website, they could go to welcome to basecamp.org, where uh, there's uh, a lot of great resources, um, some programs uh, that people can participate in uh, locally and regionally, and even virtually. So uh, yeah, feel free to uh, check those out. Um, one last question is, uh, if you were to say the three most important things that a person could do to protect their heart, what would you say? What would be your top three pieces of advice? Wow, limiting it to just three. Okay, um, five if that's easier. So I would say the most, the, the most important uh, lifestyle choice that a person can make to protect their heart is probably not to smoke. And so if you are a smoker, that's probably your number one, two, and three. Um, for people who don't smoke, I really think that it's taking a balanced approach to, to your lifestyle in a sustainable way. And so basically... Uh, being optimistic that you're in this for the long haul. And so the choices that you make today need to be choices that you can live with in 20 years, 40 years. And so if you're thinking about uh, activities or diets or stuff like that, recognize that the benefits or lack of benefit for those things occur over a, a long period of time. And so the good news with that is that you have time to course correct, but at the same time, do something that makes sense for you where you are in your life that feels reasonable, that you can enjoy, that you can be happy with the person who you'll be when you're doing those things. So having that kind of perspective, having that kind of balance, um, I think that that's the big picture of how to be heart and life healthy. And if you were to say something that we could all do on a daily basis, because we only have a few more minutes left, what would be your number one thing to do? Is it eating healthy, managing stress? I mean, I, I would assume it's managing stress, but uh, exercise, what would be your one big piece of advice? Uh, be nice to people. Oh, I, I like that. that. I, I think I that's think a it's true. One. I think that being uh, kind to other people, um, it's not as easy as it sounds because mm -hmm. life's life's messy, life's challenging, but being good to other people 
uh, not only will make their lives better, but I think 100% will make your own 100 times better. Whether that I, prevents heart disease, I don't know, but it'll make your life better regardless. Well, I feel like if you feel good, you're probably going to be more inclined to be healthier. And I think kindness does actually yeah. go a long way. You're right. Um, we are, oh, we only have a few minutes left. Is there anything else that you want to add before we get ready to go? No, no. I, I think that, uh, you know, that this, this time of stress during this ongoing pandemic, uh, definitely, uh, has given a lot of us a lot of perspective and, um, I would just encourage everybody as I'm trained to do is to, uh, take the challenges that this has brought and, and and do something with it. I agree. I really like that piece of advice about being kind to everybody. Uh, and I really appreciated talking with you today, Dr. Beckerman. Um, thank, you. Thank, you, thank you so much for being here. I think that you gave us some really great points for people that either have uh, a current health condition or a heart condition or you know, good ways for us to deal with prevention. So thank you so much for that. And thank to you. And to everyone listening um, and sending in your questions, thank you so much. To learn more about our initiatives, programs, services, and ways to give, or if you're looking for medical care, please visit providence.org. And you can follow, uh, make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System for LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and under Providence on Twitter. And I believe Dr. Beckerman's Instagram is, or Twitter is, uh, at James Beckerman. That's what I thought. Okay. Um, and so you can also follow him as well. I'm sure that he has a lot of really good information for all of you. So please go ahead and follow him and follow Providence. And thank you guys so much. And we will see you soon. Bye. Thank you.